Attention Talking Simpsons listeners, would you love to hear us give the same treatment to Futurama? Who would do a thing like that? Who could do a thing like that? Then you'll be delighted to know we're doing just that for Futurama's entire first season. Hey, when you look this good, you don't have to know anything. And it'll only be available for people who donate at the $5 level to the Talking Simpsons Patreon. Oh god, no! And along with 13 episodes of Talking Futurama, you'll get all 23 episodes of Talking Critic, the entire first season of Talking Simpsons, monthly community podcasts, interviews with Simpsons writers, and so much more! Shut up and take my money! Remember, go to patreon.com slash Talking Simpsons to get your hands on podcasts from the world of tomorrow! I heartily endorse this event or product. Ahoy hoy everybody, welcome to Talking Simpsons, recorded live in Rich Man's Heaven. I'm your host, seasoned rope tugger Bob Mackey, and this is a chronological exploration of The Simpsons. Who else is here with me today? No, I'm not Superman. It's uh, Henry Gilbert. I'm actually wow. wearing a Superman shirt now. You could have fooled me. That. And who do we have on the line? Uh, my name's Casey Green, and I'm a low-cost outing for seniors. <laughs> and today's episode is Raging Abe Simpson and his grumbling grandson in The Curse of the Flying Hellfish. Maybe if I go back to sleep for a few days, some good mail will build up. Ooh, that sounds like depression to me. <laughs> and this episode aired on April 28th, 1996. And as always, Henry will tell us what happened on this mythical day in real-world history. <gasps> Oh boy, Bobby, Uma Thurman, and Janine Garofalo teach us the truth about cats and dogs. Dexter's Lab and the TV channel TV Land debut on cable. And uh, the Port Arthur Massacre happens in Australia. And uh, the country reacts with something other than thoughts and prayers. So let's start with the darkest news first. So the truth about cats and dogs. All dogs are boys and all cats are girls. That's true, right? Yes. They, they, they cracked that case. That's a fine little romantic comedy. Uh, if you I, want. I'm never, I've never seen it. It's for Gen Xers feeling romance, man, and turning 30. Like mm. that's, that's what it's really about. Uh, Janine Garofalo, she's, she's charming. Well, meanwhile, Uma Thurman just has to be the bimbo in it. And but. she roller skates a lot or something, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. She does do that. Uh, but the, the dog's got roller skates on. Oh, that's all I remember from the trailers. Oh, that's right. The boyfriend, she has a Frasier-esque call-in show, Garofalo does, and her would-be male love interest, he put a dog in roller skates for a photo shoot, and the dog is freaking out. That's the that's where, that's where the story begins. But it didn't put its paws over its eyes, so I wasn't sure. <laughs> In the Dexter's Lab, that's a that is a classic. I think we we did a whole what a cartoon about it, so you will not get more remembrances from me there. You have to listen to our what a cartoon podcast to hear that. And as far as maskers go, we've covered several on the show so far. And what was the outcome of that? They said no more guns, and then uh, not a massacre since. Uh, I forget the exact strictures of it, but I mean, you can still like own a shotgun and stuff for hunting and all that, but automatic weapons, there was quite a major ban on that. And yes, not a massacre since, I believe, which is five killed or more, I Mm. believe is the definition of a massacre. I think you're allowed to own a pistol to scare off the prime minister (laughs) if he's floating in your uh, pool. Andy! (laughs) Uh, So our special guest is Casey Green. And if you're a savvy nerd, you should know who he is. But in case you don't, uh, Casey, who are you and what have you done? Uh, I'm a cartoonist online and you probably have definitely seen that image of the dog on fire. That's from my comic gun show that's got huge memed out there. That's just an easy way to be like, okay, you know who I am, maybe. Actually, I'm kind of <laughs> sad we didn't have the clip dog on fire, dog on fire, oh, ready it. for you. I'll cut it in now. <laughs> dog on fire, dog on fire. 
Uh, you also might know me as the dick butt man, but I don't really <laughs> deal with that anymore. I, uh, I mostly you... do comics uh, as uh, he is a good boy and, and I write back and a lot of other stuff too. I loved your sequel to the This Is Fine Dog of the screaming, <laughs> this is not fine. Why did I let it go on fire this long? It, that, that was beautiful. Yeah, Casey yeah. and I go way back uh, onto the Something Awful forums actually and Casey did art for me for free once. I was like, I like this Casey guy. I want him to do art for me. <laughs> and you did a story about uh, I was taking care of a sick bird that unfortunately died and I wrote a little comedy story Aww. about it. But all the pictures were so adorable. I also, from your previous work, I loved uh, Gun Show, which was your, uh, was it like a daily webcomic you did? I have all the collections of that. Yeah, it was like, it started out kind of daily and then just sort of morphed into whenever I, I want. It, it started as like a three panel strip, but then it morphed into just, I want to do more than just three panel gag stuff and then just became huge daily or uh, update didn't really have anything to do with it. It just became a bigger thing. I, and I think one of my favorite things you've done so far, because it speaks so much to me and my own life experiences is the trade um, anime club. It yeah, is, that's a good popular one. It is a perfect portrayal of an anime club at a certain point in time. <laughs> and I was there and I knew all those people and I was one of them. I'll let you figure out who it was. <laughs> it should be pretty <laughs> obvious, but it's like, I can't recommend your stuff enough. Um, and we'll talk about where you can buy your books and everything at the end of the show. But yeah, thanks for coming on the show, Casey. No, I'm happy to be here it's uh I, I it, podcasts are always good to listen to like when you're drawing and stuff because it's very uh automatic kind of when i'm inking or whatever or coloring so and podcasts definitely became a go-to thing to have on in the background while i do it and this is even better like one that just shows you information about cartoons <laughs> is pretty much exactly what i've wanted for a while and speaking of podcasts i actually you had a podcast maybe five or six years ago that i'm uh, that we are kind of ripping off with what a cartoon it, it was called cartoon book club and That's i absolutely right, yeah. loved it and that in a, in a podcast called animation uh Dis dissection or discussion uh they were two of my favorite cartoon podcasts but they both went away because you guys refused to do podcasts for free forever you jerks <laughs> so we had to pick up the torch but yeah i have to thank you for giving putting putting that spark in my brain back when i was just doing retronauts like oh man i really want to do like cartoon podcasts i was totally happy that y'all started doing what a cartoon and and that because i was like oh man someone is gonna do something like that at least so you know what it's fine take it take it from me <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's it's easier when you actually know how to work like audio stuff or work next to each other instead of being on separate coasts with the other people on that show. It does help to live like 20 minutes away from Henry. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm sure glad. that's... It's nice when Bob just can walk to my place and then I don't have to, I don't even have to, I do have to shower. Eventually I'll stop showering. Oh boy, that'll tear us apart. No, uh, I, I am also a big fan of Casey's. I love, like your Twitter account, you just share so many great just random drawings too, not just your comic strips. And I especially do love when you draw a Simpsons scene. Like one of my favorite recent ones was Homer and Barney from the Gong Show of them playing the giant harmonica <laughs> together. I love that one. I also like yeah. when, when we do a What a Cartoon episode, and then later on Twitter, I see you drawing things from that show, and I'm like, we inspired him. <laughs> We're the greatest yeah, heroes did. alive. Like, you made me go back and check out Dexter's Lab, which I loved as a kid. Like, I watched it, all of it as a child. But the only going back now, I recognize that that really helped define my sense of uh, uh, cartooning mm. uh, in comics. Like, like, it's, it's, oh man, I don't know how to describe it. It was just so perfect. And I was like, wow, this is, it coded inside my brain. <laughs> like, everything. The, the joke structure, the timing and everything. And uh, when when did you become a Simpsons viewer? Like, at, uh, where did your journey begin with the series? Oh, that's a good one. It was always kind of a thing whenever I remember knowing what The Simpsons was. It was always there. Like, it, it was already in syndication by the time I remember watching all these episodes. And I always watched them in syndication because mm -hmm. they were just 
kind of on in the background when I came after school. I, I didn't catch up with new episodes or it was rare that I was like, Sunday night, let's all watch The Simpsons. Hmm. But I did have like kind of a second. It was around college when I when I was reading more about uh, how Brad Bird used to be a part of it mm. that I that I was like, well, hold on, maybe there's something to this. And then that's when I started to rediscover like actually how like low-key brilliant it was <laughs> instead of just a weird pop culture thing that happened around me that I wasn't that was that I was obviously aware of and I had like Simpsons comics and and, and stuff and I, and I liked watching them but it, I just it didn't it didn't really uh, uh stick with me until I gave it a second and third watch and and when I was older well speaking of Brad Bird he was actually on hand to help out with a lot of this episode which is why it looks so brilliant and this is actually uh Jeffrey Lynch's final episode for the show Mm -hmm. and he would go on to do great things too so yeah yeah uh, this is a animation one of the best animated episodes I think they ever did and this was Jeffrey Lynch's final Simpsons he'd go on to do two episodes of Futurama and then graduate into film he uh, worked as a storyboarder on Iron Giant Uh, again his buddy relationship with Brad Bird, but most importantly to me as a comic dork is that Jeffrey Lynch is the secret sauce of the Sam Raimi Spider-Man films because Mm. there's some bad acting in that movie or parts that uh, definitely are dated or like, oh, this part sucks, but I always love the Spider-Man action in it, and there's a good reason why. It's because Jeff Lynch storyboarded all of it, or the majority of it at least, and he was basically the assistant director on the Sam Raimi film. So when Spider-Man was doing Spider-Man things, and basically it's a CGI film, that's Jeffrey Lynch in charge mm. of that. We should remind our listeners, too, that uh, Jeffrey Lynch directed Who Shot Mr. Burns Part 1, another one of the best-looking episodes on uh, of The Simpsons on TV. Like mm-hmm. They had to make it look good, and he made it look fa- fantastic. Uh, this one especially is a tribute to classic comics as well because Jeffrey Lynch is a big dork for the Joe Kubert Sergeant Rock comics, which, honestly, I never read. I never understood the interest in World War War II comics, I have to say. I just, as a comic fan, I am aware of them for from a historical standpoint. Uh-huh. But eventually, it's just like, I mean, how many Nazi plots can you watch them foil really it's just it's get boring after a point i think they were just for little boomer kids like my dad won't talk to me what did he do uh, 10 years ago oh oh my god and also the so if you look at sergeant rock comic covers and then compare them to the flashbacks in this episode that's when you'll see like oh abe simpson is sergeant rock in this like that's that's the secret that's the secret to this episode the one time abe was like heroic and cool and not a total scumbag <laughs> in his entire life well, well, this episode, too, was apparently storyboarded primarily by Jeffrey Lynch, too, which I think mm. is kind of a, uh, a rarity in The Simpsons where the director storyboards most of it. I think that's usually like delegated to an extent, and, yeah. the, and the director just kind of re- does revisions on it. Uh, this episode also is about Bill and Josh the mm-hmm. indulging in their love of the elderly. Yeah. And that specific version of the elderly. I remember in our Bill Oakley interview, he talked about how, like, this is his grandpa who was born, like, technically in the 1800s, and our generation's grandpas aren't these grandpas. What, they're not? Well, I guess they are. I don't know. I guess my grandpa was in World War II. Yeah, like, my grandpa, I don't I don't think he was. He stayed home to score. But uh, <laughs> I, everyone I knew, like, growing up who were grandpa age in the 90s, like, my neighbor, my neighbor Bob growing up, he was a World War II vet. He was, like, in his 70s. So, okay. yeah, like, our grandpas were these grandpas, but they weren't Bill and Josh's grandpas. Their grandpas could have been, like, World War One vets or something oh, yeah, like that that's true yeah. 
I never really knew my grandpas too well. Both of them kind of died when I was young. Um, I do remember that my dad's grandpa did not like The Simpsons. <laughs> and the one time I remember wanting to watch The Simpsons when we went to go visit him and, and family in Arkansas – was uh was shot down because my mom said grandpa doesn't like the simpsons <laughs> it's so that's funny. all i remember <laughs> the, show's, I, the show's so nice to old people too <laughs> i also had an arkansan grandpa who did not much care for the simpsons though he he humored me watching five minutes of it once before falling asleep <laughs> Abe simpson style mm. And uh, so this is an excellent opening of the show. I especially love it because so we've seen Abe be crazy and we've seen him tell long stories about walking birds and that football was called baseball, all that stuff. (laughs) But we don't rarely see him against boring, normal grandpas, which is so this opening further shows like, no, this old man, Abe is crazy. They had to create like eight new old relatives for everybody, <laughs> especially in the flashbacks. Uh, yeah, I, lo- I love these old men, though, at Grandparents Day. Let's start with Millhouse's grandfather. Uh, how many of you have a house? All right. Now, how many of you drove your house to school today? Huh? Well, well, I did. <laughs> no, I'm not Superman. I just own an RV. Me and the new wife traveled the country searching for adventure. Uh, last fall, we won a chili cook-off in Beaumont, Texas. You're living in a fool's paradise, Van Hooten. If you fell down in the shower, that thing would be your tomb. Grandpa, hush. Here, why don't you spit some more? <laughs> no, I'm not Superman. I'm a judge. Why, just this morning I sentenced my 46th man to death. Oh, no, 47th. Wow, 47. I love you, Grandpa. Huh. Yeah, well, I may not have a fancy black bathrobe and a hammer like Snooty, but I do have slippers and an oatmeal spoon. Look! Look! Uh, we only get one uh, out of Milhouse's <laughs> grandpa, so I feel like he's got it together more than uh, Kirk Van Houten. I mean, he's got he's got a new wife. Yeah. He's gone around the country. It's a very much like old man reinventing himself sort of lifestyle he has going on. Yeah, yeah, it's very subtle in the way he says a new wife and uh, <laughs> the way he tricks the kids and is saying like, "I do. How many of you drove your home? Huh? <laughs> what?" <laughs> Those kids are giving him the exact reaction you want of kids in show and tell. <laughs> yeah. Like, oh, this is my dream reaction. I was kind of waiting for, I forgot about this part of the episode. I was kind of waiting for a third, no, I'm not Superman. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that That is so great the way he slips in new wife, which explains like he's either a widower and remarried or they are separated. And I wonder too if this is the old wife the grandmother we saw in bart sells his soul or could it be that on the other side of millhouse's family they also look exactly like millhouse i think it's both sides of the family are identical (laughs) in their looks somehow and also as a comic nerd i must say superman wouldn't drive his house he would just fly (laughs) come on Maybe in the Fortress of Solitude he would have that, but though Superman actually does do judge-like things of sentencing supervillains to the Phantom Zone, though he doesn't sentence them to death. I will I will point out that, despite what Zack Snyder would have you believe about Superman murdering people. <laughs> well, okay, so Nelson, we've already seen that Nelson's house is like a shithole, yeah. which does not imply the, son, the grandson of a judge. That makes me think of more like 
I don't know, wealth or Maybe privilege. the mother father is the black sheep of the family, you know? Yes, but man. And uh, it's also so weird that Abe, like, Abe just spits. He's not chewing tobacco. It's not like black. It's just, he just like spitting. You got to spit when you're an old man. <laughs> yeah, earlier when he spit and then you heard his mouth sounds. Well, as <laughs> he's just like... I was like, oh, man, there's a lot of weird, like, uh, uh, texture on that tongue. (laughs) Dan does such a great job with Abe, this one, though I I think Marsha Wallace sounds, I don't know, it sounds like she was having an off day or something. She just doesn't sound right in this. Hmm. I don't know. Maybe they had to, like, tamp in somebody else and then she recorded over it. But I don't know. To me, it just sounds slightly off. But I can read it as being, like, trying to be nice and polite because there are more than just children here today. Mm. I can see that, yeah. You have to be nice to the grand people, uh, people, uh, except Abe. (laughs) Yeah. I kind of like that position, too. I think it excited me as a kid watching this of just, like, oh, my teacher is used to being the oldest in class, but now she has elders there who can insult her and in the structure power dynamics of class that means she has to respect them we had uh i mean i don't know if you guys had this we had like a grandparents day every once in a while oh, in no, our school no. where yeah, like there were no, all the old people in florida were like put away in chambers <laughs> yeah. uh no in ohio it was it was kind of weird like my grandma would be there and it'd be like it was kind of weird to see her interact with other old people like oh this is this is interesting <laughs> <laughs> i you know i wonder now if they can do that as much because I feel like people are even more spread out than before. You're not expected to live in the same town oh, as your yeah. grandparents either. They moved away from you or you moved away from them. Yeah, I never really did that as a kid. Mm. I remember PTA meetings after school, but never never anything during school. <laughs> uh, but my grandpa never told me stories about the turlet. <laughs> now, my story begins in 19-tickety-two. We had to say tickety because the Kaiser had stolen our word 20. Mm. I chased that rascal to get it back, but gave up after... After Dickity Six Miles. <laughs> Dickity? Highly dubious. What are you cackling at, Fatty? Too much pie, that's your problem. Now, I'd like to digress from my prepared remarks to discuss how I invented the turlet. Turlet? <laughs> Stop your stickering! I spent three years on that turlet. Bart is horribly embarrassed. They're really laying it on thick with like how the embarrassment deal with. Yeah. In other episodes, it seems like Bart is just kind of dead to the embarrassment that Abe can supply. I mean, he should have just asked uh, Jackie Bouvier to come because she could have barely talked. (laughs) Hello, children. I can't talk very much. Must have been harder to get to Hal Roach uh, (laughs) uh, retirement castle. I, I also, again, this animation, there's so many little ticks in this that you'd never see in a regular episode of Simpsons. Like when Grandpa jumps up to say, hey, listen, his hair shakes. There's a lot more action to it. Same with his extra action of like, too much pie, that's your problem. Yeah, like there's a lot of great little subtle character action that you don't see elsewhere in the series. And along with the huge big set pieces and like the great action we see later in this episode. Yeah, this is amazingly animated. I love the way he, he moved his old crunchy leg (laughs) you can hear it just barely he can't nonchalantly cross his legs anymore he needs to he's got to help himself with that yeah and also the reaction i I felt kind of bad for martin this time where he's just like getting called fat by grandpa it's like too much pie that's your problem he's just like and the kids are excited about it like whoa (laughs) (laughs) and those are his prepared remarks i also love that (laughs) 
Uh, and yeah, this also feels like such a great, uh, Jonathan Collier wrote this one and it feels like such a great setup for a story too of just, Abe has always said bullshit. Now they finally get to call him on it. Like Bart's like, Bart asks a question that they should have been saying for about seven years now. Just why does Abe talk like a crazy person all the time? Why does he has to always say these stories? And we've seen previous stories from him about the war, but it was mainly about seducing Hitler. Yeah. Oh <laughs> as, a, as a woman. <laughs> is that true? He's an unreliable narrator at best. Oh, definitely. This is the one time everything he said was true. And also when they refer to old people, they call Goldie, they humorously say Goldie Hawn is old. She was 50 when this episode aired. Yeah, not not very fair. No, it's, <laughs> it's kind of mean to old Goldie. She's, she's now 72. I'd say that's fair to call her elderly now. Uh, I mean, uh, the movie Overboard is a terrible movie with a bad <laughs> message that I watched like 40,000 times as a kid. It was on in the bar last night, and I was like, how old was Goldie Hawn during this movie? She looks so young. She was like 42 in that movie. Wow. I was like, Jesus Christ. She had it. She was holding it together. Mm-hmm. So unfair. I say unfair. That feels like a Mike Reese joke. Mm. And also Homer's pro-elderly speech. That sounds like straight from the mouth of John Schwartzwelder. Yeah. <laughs> Pants all the way up to your armpits. And uh, then we get to Abe getting the ads in the mail, which I don't think they've changed all that much in the last 20 years. No, I noticed that all, two ads have a reveal, but the third ad, they're just like, here's the joke. Although it could have been a reveal. <laughs> it's like, consider, consider burial at... SeaWorld. So he could have unfolded that for some reason they decided to not have him unfold that. Maybe it was just too much. Like just just let them give them one joke for free. Now you can get buried with Shamu 75 every time there's a new Shamu death. Mm. Then we get Asa Phelps has died, which in looking back on this, I feel kind of bad for Asa that he had his war buddy living in town all these years and Abe never hung out with him. It's a very great description of a sad, small life. Oh, yes. Asa Phelps spent his entire life in Springfield, except for four years service in World War II and one high school day trip. He worked at the United Strut and Bracing Works as a Molders boy until he was replaced by a Moldermatic and died. <laughs> so a very a very small life. I'm sure he was happy though. I, I hope he was happy. I loved the little detail of uh, uh, Lovejoy getting into the car and his wife already there driving. Yeah. Oh, like yeah. She was just, she's just waiting for him in the car, I guess. And he's like, gotta go. Also, <laughs> nobody is at that funeral. He had no, maybe, maybe his life yeah. was sad. All his sons are dead. He just had no friends. Well, yeah, I love- it just burns and burns and Abe. I, and they were just waiting for him to die to fulfill the tauntine. But I just love, I love too that. Asa's life was he left Springfield twice, once in the war and once for a high school road, uh, a high school field trip. And then he worked as a Molders boy his entire life. And it implies that once he was replaced with a machine, he just like stopped living. He's like, oh, I'm just dead. Or maybe he took his life. Like it's, <laughs> it's depressing. I assume he was replaced with that mortal matic, like in the sixties or something. I don't know until he was, it, well, the way Lovejoy puts it, like until he was replaced with the mortal matic and died. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing more to speak of after that. Yeah. You know, it's, it's easy to miss that sound when you're watching it because just the visual of them pulling out their keys is quite fun and distracting as well. Ape has the crazy, like uh, the giant key, fo- or key lanyard. It's like, like 20 feet long. <laughs> and so this implied history between Abe and Burns. I used to point it out. I think I haven't did a while, but anytime you saw Abe and Burns have a scene between each other before this, you should remember that they are each in a secret tauntine and served in World War II together. Yes, they know each other very well. 
Also, so going over the timeline of this, uh, Burns was born in 1892. Mm-hmm. By the time uh, this war footage comes around that we see later, he would have been in his early 50s. Why is he enlisting? I, I think, again, uh, the show pointed this out earlier. He's working for the Nazis. He's, yeah. he's there for the Nazis. That is true. <laughs> That's right. He built bombs that worked yeah. for the Nazis. So That's... I think he was posing as an infantryman to stop them from assassinating Hitler. That is my <laughs> my theory. I don't know why this old man would be enlisting in World War II. So there, there you have it. The Simpsons will be right back. Hey everybody, thanks for listening for Dickety Six episodes of this wonderful podcast, Talking Simpsons. Me and Bob love doing it all the time, and we do it thanks to you and your support at patreon.com slash talking simpsons. If you sign up there, you get to support me and Bob doing this full time, but you get so much more than that. You get every episode of this podcast a week early and ad free, and you get the same for our sister podcast, What a Cartoon. And if you don't know what What a Cartoon is, that's when Bob and me give the Talking Simpsons treatment to a different cartoon each week. It could be Freakazoid. It could be Family Guy. It could be Kill la Kill. It could be Cowboy Bebop. It could be Batman the Animated Series. It could be Dexter's Laboratory on What a Cartoon. And you should totally listen and subscribe to it there. But if you sign up at patreon.com slash talking simpsons, you get access to that a week early and ad-free as well. Not to mention you get access to the entire first season of Talking Simpsons only on the Patreon. We have tons of Simpsons interviews that you can hear in including our most recent ones with Nell Scoville, who wrote the classic Blowfish episode of Simpsons, and she has tons of cool stories. Not to mention, we talked with Mike Reese, who just put out a brand new book on his 30-year history with The Simpsons. You can see all that and so much more at patreon.com slash Talking Simpsons. Hey, do you like streaming new episodes of The Simpsons and a ton of other animated series on Hulu, but you want to try the ad-free version for free? Well, you can get a 30-day free trial by going to tiny.cc slash tshulu. If you sign up there for a 30-day free trial of Hulu, a little bit of money gets kicked back to your buddies in Talking Simpsons, and it helps support the show while also getting you a free month trial of one of my favorite streaming services. I watched so many of the shows for What a Cartoon on Hulu. It's so convenient and easy. Check out that free 30-day trial at tiny.cc slash tshulu. But then we do get to hear the first time about their deal. Well, Simpson, seven gone. As soon as you're in your press board coffin, <laughs> I'll be the sole survivor and the treasure will be mine. Over my dead body it will. That's exactly the point. Oh, Simpson, can't you go five seconds without humiliating yourself? <laughs> How long was that? <laughs> your clownish behavior notwithstanding... We have made a gentleman's agreement and sworn on our lives to honor it. Smithers, I want that man killed. <laughs> so that's a great act break. It's very much like the pelican dropping the fish in Homer's pants where he ruins every moment. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but yeah, actually, so in Homer the Smithers, I, I proclaim that the episode where they, that's the episode where they sort of infantilize Burns. This could be like the last real chance for him to be evil mm-hmm. because 
Uh, he points a gun at Bart for one of several times in the series. Uh, like he's he's uh, he's he's out for murder. He's out yeah. for blood in this he, episode. His plan is yeah, to what, kill Abe. Yeah, what he does at the end is like awful. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I I think it's also interesting that this is the next episode directed by Jeffrey Lynch after Who Shot Mr. Burns yeah. Part One. He's so that was the most villainous Burns. So him doing this, he knows how to draw Burns at his most evil, like his most cartoonishly super villainous, which I, I just love it. And he he Burns throughout this episode looks so intimidating, so scary at points. It's but I just love how nonchalantly he's like have him killed. Have him killed. <laughs> and I've seen this episode, I don't know, 50 times, but I always forget about this assassin subplot, which yeah. is so fantastic. <laughs> I just love the idea of an assassin having to kill an incredibly frail old man and fucking it up. Yeah. Uh, also, I, I should be noted, at five minutes and 24 seconds, that has to be the shortest act one in Simpsons history. That I is think. so short, yeah. The, as Mike Reese in his new book, who we just interviewed, guys, let's do it on the Patreon. Uh, but in his new book, he talked about how most Simpsons episodes, the longer you make act one with some weird divergence before you get into the real plot, then the shorter you have to make two and three. It's just a, a, a writing problem solver in a way so a shorter act one is the total opposite of that and this is there is no b plot to this this is just a very direct like honestly action adventure story between bard and grandpa mm -hmm. yeah, it's a real crowd pleaser episode uh but yeah so burns is looking for his assassin assassins i was wondering sir do we really need to uh Settle, Abe Simpson. I mean, I'm familiar with his physical state, and perhaps if we wait, nature will assassinate him for us. <laughs> well, I can't risk it. I won't allow that Simpson boy to take the hellfish bonanza, and I can't get it without his key. Ah, just the man I need. Fernando Vidal, the world's most devious assassin. <laughs> Hola. Ah, Marion Barry. Is it time for another shipment already? Why, this is Montgomery Burns. Oh, caramba. I'm sending you a photo over the fax troller. I need you to fly to Springfield and assassinate this man post-haste. Sadly eating a can of uh, Del Monte peas yeah. in the picture. <laughs> that's, that's such a great brand. Yeah. Of all brands of peas for him to be eating, it's that Del Monte, that is such a specific thing for them to pick. I love that. Those are premium peas. I mean, you think A would be buying <laughs> store brand peas. Mm, that's true. But yeah, that, that Mary and Barry joke, I mean, yes, Mary and Barry, former, uh, one of the former mayors of New York, had a real Coke problem. Mm -hmm. That was clearly an ADR joke. I, w I really want to know what the original was. I say that every time. But what was the original? Who knows? Yeah. I mean, it's clever that Mo Monty Burns and Mary and Barry do share the same initials. So that's cute. But uh, this was, uh, if I may talk about the Gilbert family VHS again. <laughs> uh, now, there's a couple jokes in this that I always forget about because I messed up the master recording the first time. And so I missed him going through his Rolodex. And every time I hear now that alphabetizer joke, it still feels new to me. Like, ah, funny. I just saw, like, recognize that. Uh like minutes before we started recording, I was just watching the episode again to, to remember that. And I was, I heard, I was just had to pay attention to the alphabetizer and then assassin. And the, <laughs> man, it, there's always little surprises when you don't pay attention. 
It's a subtle little joke. Yeah, I love it. Bob, did you do any Googling on Zoroastrianism? Uh, I used to know what it was, but uh, is it like some sort of outdated uh, quackery? Yeah, it's an old-timey religion and an extant of Christianity and Judaism. Yeah. Like, it's it's just the kind of old-timey thing Burns would have heard about. It gets referenced in a lot of Japanese video games. Oh, does it? Yeah. I, I need to dig farther into Shin Megami Tensei. It's like sort of like there's all kinds of Kabbalah stuff everywhere, like Sephiroth uh, and things like that. Like, these offshoots of major religions are make their way into Japanese stuff a lot. <laughs> and uh, I also, uh, I don't know, Fernando Vidal, that's a fun name. I like that too. Mm-hmm. Fernando has like no follow through on these. He could just <laughs> just strangle Abe, like jump on top of him and strangle him. That's what, all I have to do. What I like is that Mr. Burns feels the need, the need to accompany him <laughs> yes. to all of these, uh, with all of these assassination attempts. It's like, no, you're, in a, you're a 104 year old man. You're going to slow all of this down. <laughs> He's I'm showing up in the window with him to poison his teeth. <laughs> I was like, why are you there, man? <laughs> He's too much of a micromanager. He's like, I have to be there for it. Though also, part of the appeal of a contract killer is that you won't be implicated in it because you didn't do it. <laughs> yeah, you don't want to be on the scene. <laughs> and yet he's here for all the assassination attempts. <laughs> ah, he's more clever than he looks. Abraham Simpson, your family is here to visit you. Ha, diggity, my family's come to visit me. <laughs> it, wait a minute. My family never comes to visit. Don't. Not again. I can't take much more of your blundering numbskullery. I'll be in the car, dudes. <laughs> oh, boy. Uh, yeah. So uh, I also pulled out a uh, hot diggity. They're trying to make that grandpa's catchphrase for a long time. And I love it. Like, <laughs> hot true. diggity. Uh, I also, I think one other time he says, hot diggity damn. That's the one for me. Yeah. I also just love the, the just the animation on him putting that clock in his mouth. And just, I wonder if he does that every morning, <laughs> his, his grandpa's morning. Though, you think at some point he put his dentures back in his mouth. They must have still had some residual poison on them. Maybe. Never know. And that their dress up as the Simpsons plot was just a knife. And once the knife misses, he's like, I'm done. All right, I failed. <laughs> no one questioned this. We're leaving. Yeah. <laughs> I really liked that he had a muzzle mask. Yeah, that's true. He, did, he didn't really need that, but he wanted to have an unmoving muzzle mask over his mouth. It's, yeah. not, it's not really clear why Smithers needed to be there as Bart's. <laughs> <laughs> But those are great. Like, I love Burns in Marge's dress with the wig and everything. It's a great image. Yeah. yeah. And it pays off even better with the callback of, and you were there? And, <laughs> you were there. and uh, then his final attempt is, it's funny enough of the smash cut to him pretending he has a big plan, which is just shoot his gun a whole bunch. Yeah. Which I have to say, with the timing of the Port Arthur. Oh. Yeah. Uh, but I think it's like, it. it's animated beautifully like an action sequence and when the nurse is like doing her one-handed pump action shotgun stuff that was like out of the fucking terminator that was amazing yeah again i love the smash cut from them just studying the map of the retirement castle (laughs) and then smash cut to the door being kicked open and him just firing wildly at everybody (laughs) just 
killing whoever. Yeah, I feel like the nurse with the shotgun telling him to be quiet kind of makes that whole scene. Yeah. Because beyond that, it's just like, he was just terrorizing this old man. <laughs> and many others. Were, were this not a television series, it, like, he, he misses as much as anybody shooting at the A-team. But <laughs> yeah. in the real world, he would have killed every person in that building. <laughs> it, would have, it would have been all over the news. Uh, so Abe, Abe needs help. Someone's trying to kill me, sweet, merciful McGillicuddy! <laughs> you gotta open the door! Who is it? It's Grandpa. And it sounds like he's gotten into the horseradish again. <laughs> and then a knife flew at my head! And you were there? And you were there? Uh, Grandpa, maybe I should moisten your washcloth. It's plenty moist! <laughs> Listen, Monty Burns is trying to kill me, and it's all because of, um... I can't tell you what. Well, I'm sure you'll make up something. Maybe you just need more of my classmates around. I gotta hole up here for a while. They might still be after me. Wow, he's even more agitated than usual. Maybe we should let him stay. Where are we going to put him? Bart's room. Bart's room. Bart's room. Dumpster. The family normally dumps on Lisa, but I like them all teaming up to dump on Bart. Yeah. (laughs) He's the only other person who has more than five lines in this whole episode. (laughs) For a second, I thought, like, oh, is this one of the ones where Marge doesn't say anything? But she gets one, she gets a couple lines here that save that. But it's I great, love her. Uh, it's Grandpa. <laughs> <laughs> She's just shocked. Like, he doesn't come to us. We come to him. And I, and like, I love. She, like, she couldn't recognize his screaming. <laughs> <laughs> it's great how the next scene opens with Bart looking forlornly at a dumpster outside the window. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So many great, like. He jokes on the cutting, like in the edit. And I also do love Marge's cute euphemism euphemism of horseradish yeah. for uh, drinking. Uh, my old great aunt called it tonic. She was having a little uh, too much tonic and uh, needed to go lie down. Yeah, that, and Bart is just like done with Abe at this point. He's got no more patience for it and this is when we finally cut to the Sergeant Simpson stuff which the first shot of Sergeant Simpson that is straight a Sergeant Rock cover. Like that's just lifted directly off of his Joe Kubert. Joe Kubert is underrated compared to say like Jack Kirby or I think he's only really under Jack Kirby of his mm. era of dudes who doesn't uh, who gets credit like he also started the Joe Kubert School of Arts of comic art like the first college you could go to for drawing comics which I I have heard uh, multiple different things about its quality i was gonna say was that a scam because it sounds like a scam (laughs) i I actually visited that once when i was in high school uh i went up to massachusetts with my mother and uh we were thinking about college and that was a cartooning school and uh, i didn't really know joe kubert that much but it seemed like not really my thing but it was the only cartooning school beyond maybe like uh scad in uh in atlanta and then we tried it and it was it was nice. It was during the summer. I didn't go to it, obviously. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, you did not great. Come on. Uh, and so then we get the first of Abe's war stories. Burns is after me because he wants the hellfish bonanza. <laughs> Look, if you're going to stay in my room, could you at least stop making up gibberish? Uh, gibberish, eh? Then what's this? Wrinkly gibberish? I got this in the Second World War Two. <laughs> Back then, I was known as Sergeant Simpson, and I commanded the Flying Hellfish, the fightiest squad in the fightiest company in the 3rd fightiest Battalion in the Army. And we were all 
Randolph from Springfield. There was Police Chief Wiggum's father, Iggy Wiggum. Um, if anybody finds a grenade without a pin, that's mine. Our radio man, Sheldon Skinner. All right, very funny. Well, I didn't join the service to make friends. And watching our backs was Private Fifth Class Ernie Gumbo. Uh. Then there was also Griff Asa Oxenetch. So yeah, uh, we get a lot of these the uh, the Simpsons grandpas are popping in there. Mm-hmm. Of course, we have to ignore the uh, Skinner lore. That's actually his father. <laughs> yeah. Well, so he did say he called Wigga, Iggy Wiggum the father of Chief Wiggum, mm-hmm. but he says, and then our guy Sheldon Skinner, he does not directly say that's Agnes's husband, uh, or okay. Okay. he just says that's Sheldon Skinner. That's it. It's very great how he gets the other people out of the way who are not related to current cast members, like also these people, <laughs> uh, Griff, Asa, Ox, and Etch. Like they're all the dudes who are just in every war film. It's very, very uh, stock like war characters, yeah. like the tough yeah. guy, uh, the farm boy. Uh, the big dumb guy and the brainy guy. Mm-hmm. Pr- Saving Private Ryan still, like two years after this, still had all <laughs> those characters, those stereotypes in it. Yeah, like you said, they they show Burns and he would have had to have been 53 then. I do think the J. Edgar Hoover line establishes why he was busted down to private for obstructing a probe, mm. as they say. Uh, which you get that you get that with uh, Hoover. He was a very closeted gay man. That's the joke. Was that uh, true, or was that a rumor people spread to discredit him? Mm, I've heard I, a lot of stuff. I believe it was true. Okay, I think it was that he not the wearing women's underwear. That's one thing. Yeah. It's just like no, it's probably not true. But I mean, he he had a uh, a long time companion. I do know that. Uh. It was a big part of Clint Eastwood's movie about it, which uh, I didn't really see, but. He even busted down to private, but let's. Uh, and he also saves Hitler's brain, <laughs> which a great, a great reference to the 1968 B movie classic. They put it in a gorilla or a robot or a robot gorilla. I think that yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but here's here's the rest of that war stories. But every unit has a troublemaker. Ours was a cocky little private named Montgomery Burns. <sighs> Haven't you won the war yet? Uh, hey, you said you was dead. <laughs> yes, dead. Tired. But I'm quite refreshed now. Thank you. <laughs> you bossed around the richest, most powerful guy in town. How come you were a sergeant and he was only a private? Well, he got busted down for obstructing a probe from J. Edgar Hoover. And we got stuck with him. Bart is the audience there, too. Just like, yeah, yeah, how did that actually happen? You're just lying. This is a lie, just like all the others. And uh, so then we get to the creation of the Tauntine. Mm. Hey, Bertsy <laughs> found some pictures. Wait a minute. We ain't supposed to steal from civilians. You want me to report you to Commander Flanders? Just leave them, Bernsey. Leave them for whom? The Germans? The folks who shoot at us all day? Let's just take them. We'll all be rich, rich as Nazis. <laughs> Whoa! Yeah, I don't yeah, know yeah. Nazis Think of what a guy could get himself with that kind of scratch. Yeah. I could buy chicken dinners three times a day. Uh, I could buy a brand new Studebaker with, with a fan on the dashboard. I could buy my way into high... Uh. Society! <laughs> well, I don't feel right about it. But I could use a nest egg for retirement. I'd hate to wind up in one of them old folks' homes. Then it's agreed. Of course, we can't sell the paintings now. We'd be caught. How many of you are familiar with the concept of a tontine? (laughs) All right, Ox. 
<laughs> Why don't you take us through it? They essentially, we all enter into a contract whereby the last surviving participant becomes the sole possessor of all them pretty pictures. Well put, Oxford. <laughs> now remember, you can't all sign with an X. I love that final line. Yeah, I I love Rich's Nazis. Like, uh, <laughs> is that the line of the episode? Uh yes. That's the joke. And how everyone is on board when it's like, we'll be just like Nazis. Oh yeah, yeah, it's good. <laughs> I want to be Nazi. <laughs> <laughs> and also the I I just love the reading of we ain't espoused to steal from Shivyaginch. <laughs> I remember someone on the commentary saying the same thing. Like they just really that was their favorite line. <laughs> <laughs> it's like an even more marble mouthed Wiggum. <laughs> and I I did I kind of wished I could have seen Commander Flanders in this flashback though too. Oh but, boy, uh, God, that'd be great. Oh man, yeah. And also that. I Ox stands for Oxford. That's pretty great. He's secretly smart. <laughs> he was the he was always the smart one in the platoon. They just called him Ox. You think he's Ox like Moose in the Archie comics, but though he still says damn pretty pictures. But um, <laughs> outside of Burns and Abe, they all suffered pretty ignoble deaths. Yeah. But uh, Ox died carrying the crate of paintings out of the castle. <laughs> died of a hernia. <laughs> pretty bad. And then the other five died in a float accident at the Veterans Day Parade in 1979. Yes. <laughs> so what happened? Were they all crushed under a float or yeah. there was a fire? But it's like... They all, they all got wiped out pretty quickly. Well, it was Burns. It was Burns. I think it could be Burns. I also imagine 1979, Barney Gumble, Chief Wiggum, and, and well, not Seymour, the real Seymour Skinner, they all watched their fathers die <laughs> together in a horrible accident. They uh, had to scar them all and unite them, wouldn't it? Of just like, man, we all watched our fathers die in that accident together. Remember that? Maybe they knew. That's why they made uh, Barney's Bullarama the proprietor is the uncle, not the father. Mm. Yeah. And I wonder if Wiggum was thinking about that when Barney stole his position in the B Sharp. Wow. Yeah. Oh my God. So we can't acknowledge any of this history anymore. But no, yeah, it- their fathers died together. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but the the idea of a tontine. On the commentary, Bill Oakley says he got it from an episode of Barney Miller, and I have that very episode right here. Oh, my. It is from an episode called The Tauntine, so (laughs) easy to find. (laughs) It's because he won a chess game. What chess game? The game we played to see who get the money. (laughs) What money? The money from a tauntine. Tauntine is basically an archaic form of life insurance. A group of subscribers who are usually from the same family pool their money and then buy equal shares. And then the the years pass by and people start dying off. And finally, the last remaining survivor collects the entire pot. Really? Well, that's what Dietrich said. He was just stealing that from Dietrich. Sort of like the uh, free parking space Monopoly, (laughs) in a way. Uh, Though also, an episode of MASH had another taunting plot, and uh, this scene is actually basically the exact scene from The Simpsons. Oh, wow. I wonder if they took it from both. Any of you know what a taunting is? Yes. A taunting is a pledge. Give that man a cheroot. The five of us made a pledge. We'd save this bottle. Let some legal eagle stow it for us. And whoever turned out to be the last survivor of the group, well, he'd get the bottle and drink a toast to his old buddies. For good or bad, you're looking at the last survivor. I got the job when Grusky passed on in Tokyo. 
I like how both clips uh, have someone going, what's a tontine? Yeah. <laughs> well. That's kind of the Simpsons giving credit to their own sitcom forebears there, just stating it in the same way, like, what's a tontine? Like, nobody knows. I think now... Thanks to the Simpsons, we all know what a tauntine is. Bart still doesn't believe him until we get confirmation from Burns himself. Mm -hmm. Ox was the first to go. He got a hernia carrying the crate out of the castle. Five more men died in the Veterans Day float disaster of 79. (laughs) Now with Asa gone, it's down to me and Burns. Great story, Grandpa. Could have used a vampire, though. Night. Oh, my own grandson thinks I'm a liar. <laughs> Don't kill me! I've tried to meet you halfway on this, Simpson, but you had to be little Johnny Livelot. Now, give me your key to the Hellfish Bonanza. Oh, wow, there really is a treasure. Whatever you do, don't give him the key, Grandpa. Here's the key. Oh, figures. <laughs> uh, that's that he just gives up. I, I like, to the way Bart in the animation is covertly picking yeah. Burns' pocket. Like, you get to see it there. I rewound. That was very... I mean, it, you can't really tell what he's doing unless you know what he's doing because he puts his hand, like, up on his pocket. Mm-hmm. Oh, shit, I can see it. Yeah. <laughs> a lesser show wouldn't have animated that. A lesser episode of The Simpsons would have been just like, look, you get it. He stood next to him. That's enough. We don't need to draw it in in the <laughs> shot to see him put it in there. And and just Burns' arrival through the wall is so great. It's so, like, <laughs> terrifying. Again, super villainy. I like how inelegant it is. It's like he power tooled yeah. his way into yeah. the house and now he's on a cherry picker, presumably driven by Smithers. <laughs> yeah, I would think so. <laughs> yeah, it's just so unsubtle. He's like, that's it. I'm done. Just give it to me. Then he smashes in the, into Lisa's room. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> Which on the commentary, they're like, uh, Lisa should know that's not Santa. But like, I take that as just she's bleary eyed from waking up. And also it's duh reference to the uh, how the Grinch stole Christmas. Oh, uh, yeah. Mm. I, I do like Lisa's Santa. <laughs> it's it's cute and uh then burns just abe is ready to give up and i do like that bart helps abe get his mojo back oh, i guess burns is finally gonna be rich <laughs> not without the keys he isn't hey you got the keys now we can get the treasure oh what's the use burns would still find some way to take it from me well, i can't believe you grandpa the sergeant in that story you told would never be scared of a dork like Burns. You gotta get that treasure. You gotta do it for Ox and Asa and Griff and Burnsy. Well, <laughs> not so much Burnsy. You really think I can do it? Uh, yes. <laughs> we gotta act fast. Where are you two going at this hour? On a treasure hunt. Oh, can I come? Only if you're ready to stare danger in the face, put your manhood to the ultimate test, and take... Pass. <laughs> That's great. There's a little uh, animation joke at the beginning of that clip where Abe absentmindedly takes off his glasses and puts them in his dentures glass for no yeah, reason. I had, just... to, I had to rewind that to make sure I saw that right of him pulling his glasses out of the water. Yeah. <laughs> I was it, like, that's so good. <laughs> it's just such a natural movement of just like, well, time to put my glasses down, but puts them in his denture water, which is not just regular water. It's treated water too. And, and I also like how long it takes Abe to recognize that Bart has the keys. Like now without the keys, he's not one, two, three, four, 
you got the keys. <laughs> His brain is a little slower. Yeah. Uh, the other thing is, uh, so I feel like in this in this season towards the end, like Bill Oakley and Josh Weinstein, uh, the showrunners, are trying to challenge themselves a bit by leaving Homer out of things. Where in the last episode, twenty two short films, it was very very light on Homer. Like mm-hmm. he had one segment. Lisa is the anchor, and with this one, you think at first, oh, like oh man, Homer's going to go on this crazy adventure with them. Mm-hmm. But he's like, no, he's staying home. Sorry guys, <laughs> Act Act Three's coming. So many episodes. <laughs> have a moment where homer says oh can i join in and then he'll be in the third act because they would not be afraid they would be afraid to not have homer in the third act which he isn't and in this one homer just gives up like nah you're not getting me in this and uh you know i we keep praising animation so much this does look beautiful but i will say it's not the best sandwich they've ever drawn that plate that sandwich homer's That's walked a around weird with. looking sandwich yeah. <laughs> It looks like one of those crackers that had like cheese in the middle yeah. of it, but it's huge. It's plate-sized <laughs> cheese cracker. Mm, now you're making me hungry. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and yet, so then from the entirety of Act 3 is, I don't even have a ton of clips from it because it's just like, it's an action movie. Yeah. It, it's so yeah. much fun. Like, this feels like more films, action films of the 90s should have ripped this off of like, the 10 year old boy teaming up with his war hero grandpa to then go on a world war two adventure. Uh, I especially love them working together to uh, borrow equipment. <laughs> yeah. Boy, you borrow us some diving equipment while I borrow this boat. Well, how did you do this stranger? <laughs> Couldn't help but notice you're stealing my boat. I'll bring it back. You ever operated a power boat? No. Know anything about water safety? No. What do you need it for? It's a secret. Ooh, sounds spine tingly dingling. <laughs> Just promise you'll have a good time. Maud, boys, coming up. We're going to have a little camp out in the dinghy. Yay! Just like Homer, Abe has a real knack for taking advantage of Flanders. Like, that thing you own, it's mine. Yep. And I'm taking it. Okay. <laughs> I love the extra animation on spine. Ooh, sounds spine tingly dingly the way he like kind of raises up his hands yeah. like ooh. It's a great little little dash of Flanders where you don't expect him. Oh, he's so he's so happy for them. <laughs> that's that's what's the, that's the best about his character. He's always happy for Homer and any of the Simpsons. I also just love the like Indiana Jones type scene of the activation of the light and them turning all the keys and then the light turns. Though, from a continuity standpoint, I have to ask, Uh-oh. who buried this if not the Hellfish? Why does so Abe does neither Abe nor Burns knows where it is? And two, who built all this stuff if it wasn't the Hellfish? Like I'm gonna say, uh, Burns hired a third party who he later killed, <laughs> <laughs> but the, and then Burns forgot. Yeah. Like, okay. All right. I'll buy that. I also do love uh, Abe's talking to his dead war buddies and talking about rich man's heaven. Yeah, you can visit me in rich man's heaven. Rich man's heaven. Uh, and yeah, this episode it just it needed just a little Flanders in it. The the little like sprinkling of other characters in this is a lot of fun. And uh, then we also get this great another great little joke about uh, I guess Abe's OCDC or something here. It's just weird insanity with numbers. Now, remember the plan, boy. If you run out of air, tug on the rope. 64 times, no more, no less. Got it. No, no, 63 times if you're out of air. <laughs> 64 is if you found the treasure. Gotcha. Hey, Grandpa, do you think I could have been a flying hellfish? You're a gutsy daredevil with a give em hell attitude and a fourth grade education. You could have made sergeant. <laughs> 
imply how disingenuous the lines are, but like told so heartwarmingly. Yeah. Now that would imply that Abe, who was the sergeant of the Hellfish, had only a fourth grade education. Explains a lot. And I also just love when Bart swims underwater, it's just like it's just like an underwater sequence in like the deep or jaws. It's just cool. There's a special like layer they put over the animation to make it look like distorted, which is all done in in like in the physical real world. There's no computer effect they're adding to it. So it's it's like expensive. Like anything in this episode, anything with traditional animation with shadows or these filters, it's more money and more time spent like making sure things go right. So there's a lot there's a lot going on in this episode. Mm-hmm. And we get a nice little blinky cameo too, which I All right. Though, yeah. no, and again, I have to say I think it's a bad idea to store priceless art underwater. I just don't think you can put it a lot of places, maybe not underwater. I don't know. Apparently that was a that was a watertight uh well, maybe maybe not after Bart gets kicked into it. It's yeah. not watertight. <laughs> Is there anything to that uh, photo man joke that where, where Bart goes by that's that thing that says photo ma class of 78 rules? I just read it as a senior prank that happened in 1979 yeah. that they just took a, a photo mat, a photo mats uh, stand or, you know, one of those stands of a photo mat and just dumped okay. it in the river. That's that's what I read it as. I don't know if All that's right. a specific thing that happened in 1979, but I'd never heard of those photo mats. I thought it said photo man or something. Well, it, a, it just cuts off after the A, so I, can, I don't know what it is. I had assumed a photo mat. I never, my family would always get their photos developed at like uh, the drugstore. So I only know of the photo mat style things from uh, Pete and Pete. Me too. Yeah. yeah. Ellen worked in one of those, mm-hmm. I think. Okay, I'm looking at one right now. That's exactly all it is. <laughs> and uh, then Bart gets back up there. They open it up, and wow, they're all there. I've, all the pictures are still fine. And then we get, like, it's not funny. It's just wonderful and dramatic, the reveal of Burns here in this scene. He's downright spooky looking. I, I like that they kept the, the 64 tugs joke. I like that <laughs> yeah. they, 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 it was just a one-off thing, but he was actually counting for, like, However long it takes for Bart to tug 64 times. He still made him do it. He was like, 63s! I've killed my only grandson! 64! <laughs> yeah, I love that they kept with it. Uh, and Yeah, but this reveal burns. I just love this. Well, thank you to stop pinching my butter jelly. <gasps> Looks like I didn't need the keys after all. I'll take the masterpieces, thank you. God, darn it! <laughs> You coward! You're an embarrassment to the name Hellfish! Who am I? No, look! Take the art if you want! Just don't hurt the boy! Hmm. I'd rather do both. So long, Sarge. See you at the reunion in November. <laughs> Terrible fate for Bart, but I was just thinking, like, Burns just held a gun to Bart in the Greyhound episode uh, a year ago. Like, oh, yeah. this, this just happened to Bart. It's like, this is not uncommon. Even the gun cocking sound is very similar. That's uh, And that's, I guess, a nine millimeter. I think that's Burns' favored dainty gun of choice. It's, uh, although he had a much bigger gun when he kept on him in uh, part one. Yeah, yeah, that's true. But I, I really like when uh, when Bart lights the flare and Burns is there. It's mm-hmm. a great reveal. He looks just oh. so menacing. That's great. Uh, someone on the commentary, it may have been Oakley or Weinstein, just said, damn, that's cool. Uh-huh. <laughs> and I was just like, yeah, no, that's just really good It's lighting. so cool. Like, I, I mean, Burns, even though he's evil, he's also a badass in this episode. <laughs> yeah. 
That's true. And just that reveal, like that he somehow snuck onto their boat, like a, like a Dracula or something, just appears. <laughs> and the way he's lit in red, like of yeah. a, a live action film, a serious film should steal that. And one thing I think we're forgetting is that Burns is already extremely wealthy. Yes, he doesn't need to true. go to all all this work to get more money. <laughs> Abe needs the money. He's a poor man living in a retirement home. Like it's it's great how Burns has like no real motivation, just to, only to become more rich yeah well it seems similar to his motivation in who shot mr burns as well just like somebody else getting rich yeah. no 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 i'll just take that money he can't stand the idea of that oh, i love that but i forgot to mention that when he said it in there that simpson kid getting rich like he thinks of abe as yeah. that simpson's kid he's probably like t- got 20 years on abe i'm guessing though i think they're set up as like 10 years apart in the uh the one with the Loch Ness monster mm. when uh, they when Burns officially becomes the oldest man in Springfield they set up that like Abe is 90-ish in that but still not as old as Burns his age is more floating than like Homer and Marge's yes. as, as Marge says God only knows God that's, only that's... knows <laughs> Uh, and and also watching the water fill up on Bart is like a legitimately tense scene. Yeah, it's like he's he's facing his own mortality <laughs> in that little box. That is what gets Abe's mojo back. Seeing Bart in danger, that's when he he spits out his dentures and dives in head first into save Bart. Which he should have done the swimming in the first place. Yeah, like really. He, he, maybe Bart couldn't operate the machine. I don't know. But the uh, and and I also love the it. They at least get one little visual gag in there of Bart not wanting. He would rather drown than have something <laughs> in Abe's mouth put in his mouth. Yeah, the way the bubbles just look like diseased germs coming from his mouth. <laughs> from that, I think really sells that that idea that like, oh no, oh ew, gross. <laughs> well, uh, we just rewatched Fooly Cooly the anime for our other podcast. This this has a lot more meaning now. <laughs> <laughs> the shared kiss yeah. oh, yeah. God. <laughs> of, between the object and the people uh, uh, the same thing <laughs> uh, so Bart is saved though and uh, now Abe is ready to get back on track I'm sorry I cost you your fortune grandpa oh the fortune doesn't matter boy the important thing is you're safe now let's get that fortune <laughs> Gaining on us, sir. We'll have to jettison something. It's been an honor to serve you, sir. Yeah, so the most perfect visual joke. <laughs> <laughs> Burns looking at him like, okay, you know what to do. Yeah, <laughs> and he's more than happy to do it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I just love Smithers' kind of just limp body of like he's not even he doesn't even take a second to like look where he's jumping. He's just like, well, I'll just fall out of the back here. That's I, the fastest he, way. I was given an order. Yes, yeah, it's. <laughs> He is definitely, uh, despite the fact that he quit Burns because he was too evil. This in this episode, he's like, nah, I'm fine. Like, killing, I yeah, killing one old man is not quite as evil as you know, darkening an entire town. I suppose not. And, and stealing candy from a baby, not not as evil. But uh, I, I, and I love Abe's like push from like. Uh, you, you for a second think that the moral of this episode, it's going to end there, and the moral of the episode is like. Bart is the true treasure. My relationship with my grandson. And he's like, 
No, let's get that treasure. <laughs> they totally uh, subverted that also at the very end. The oh, last yeah. joke, which I was, was like perfect also. <laughs> and uh, and Castellaneta is so good as Abe here. This is one of his best Abes ever that he has to both embody the Abe who just makes weird sounds all the time. Like, but also be an action star. And play him at different ages too. Yes. Yeah. God, he's so good. Uh, this Dan Castellaneta guy, he's got a future. Yeah. <laughs> Where are the engines on all of these boats? Hmm. Good point. Like, shouldn't it, shouldn't it be right in the back and everything like that? Yeah. At least on like, well, birds, like there whenever... should have been a motorboat thing on the back. Yeah. Right? Yeah, yeah. Like when he when he when he harpoons it and starts like getting closer, I'm like, shouldn't there be an engine right there? Maybe <laughs> for at least his small boat. <laughs> but then Abe would have been chopped up when he got to the boat, so <laughs> they they kind of just have to ignore that, I guess. Yep. That's fine. <laughs> mm, that's true. I I love that the the harpooning of the boat it it works both as just a silly thing of Abe like jet skiing on his slippers, but then in his moment turns to like no Abe is is Mister Action Star and he's like Rrr! he's pulling himself towards the boat. Yeah, it's like the most action we've seen out of Abe Simpson outside of that scene where he's uh, wheeled out like pushed out of the ambulance. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and <laughs> the I, pose that he makes when he's on the boat is like total Sergeant Rock. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's such a great pose. I love that pose. And I also love though the, the even when it's the comedy of him water skiing on his slippers, they keep a continuity to it as well. Of like he loses one slipper oh, yeah. and he has to balance on one and keep like wrap his unslippered foot over the other foot because otherwise that leg will sink below the water. And so he had it's just the they they keep in mind the idea of balance. Like it has it has a physical consistency to that section, which I just love so much. Other episodes wouldn't bother doing that. I, I've said that so many times, but that's why, like, just doing this one, I can't believe how well animated it is. Yeah, I could see them going, like, do we have to show his legs? <laughs> that's a lot of work. <laughs> and, I mean, Silverman, I think, on the commentary even talks up that, like, because this was Jeffrey Lynch's only episode this year, he got to be a lot more focused than he normally would, because most Simpsons directors do multiple episodes. Right. Uh, but so, the the boat chase ends in dramatic fashion. Don't kill me. I ain't gonna kill you. That'd be cowardly. Monty Burns cowardly. I just wanna watch you squirm. Yes, sir. <laughs> Is this to your liking? No. <laughs> <laughs> now, Burnsy, there's one thing we don't stand for in the Hellfish, and that's trying to kill your commanding officer. So consider this your dishonorable discharge. You're out of my unit, you're out of the tontine, and that means the paintings are mine. Private, you are dismissed. I love the sound of uh, Harry Shearer squirming. Like, <laughs> I could have used more squirming from Burns, though. <laughs> There's only so they they have only ten seconds left in this episode. Yeah. Basically, they got to speed it up. It races to a close. Yeah. <laughs> Though Abe, I think, has a good like attempted murder case against Burns, <laughs> and he just kind of lets go. Yeah. I mean, Burns owns the police and the courts. That's too, true. So. Yeah. <laughs> Burns has already very publicly attempted to kill Abe three times in this episode, and nothing <laughs> ever happened. So. And even even Burns seems like 
like resigned to like, oh, I guess I am technically out of the Tontine. Oh, well. Yeah. <laughs> and the he... Simpsons are waking up to a lot of property damage in their house. <laughs> yeah. Wait a minute. Oh, man. I forgot that. Though I, they didn't wreck his boat. Flanders' boat is oh. it's beached, but it's yeah. not destroyed. He'll get it back. Homer did much more damage to uh, Flanders' boat when uh, they were best friends. What are the odds? <laughs> <laughs> uh, but the, I also, I like that Burns respects the hellfish so much that when the his real insult from Bart was when he was said he wasn't he wasn't fit to be in the Hellfish. He's like, how dare you? Maybe despite working for the Nazis, it was the one bit of like uh, virtue he has in his life to say to say that he fought for America. That's true. <laughs> He's been advertising himself as a war hero all this time, but the and just their punching and the spinning out of the boat is just it's all so it's beautiful. Great. I mean, like our show cannot do this episode justice because of this whole third act, just the glorious display of animation, just done so well. Yeah, it's just, it's so fun to watch. <laughs> then in a very Schwartzweldian kind of ending, well, it felt like a Schwartzwelder Anna Merkin style F you of just like, oh, you won, but you don't get to keep it. It's taken from you immediately. And then I say Schwartzwelderian because it feels like a John Schwartzwelder writing of the State Department and bureaucracy are evil and they take everything from you. <laughs> they're there like immediately. <laughs> immediately. And they're like, we've been working with the Nazis for 50, we've been working with the Germans for 50 uh, years, meaning 1946. Like, yeah, they, I mean, I think we're like, they're hinting like, oh, these are the descendants of Nazis. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, and see, yeah, but it is such a, well, here's the, here's the wonderful ending. U.S. State Department. We'll take those. We've been helping the German government search for this stolen art for 50 years. <laughs> to avoid an international incident, we'll be returning it to the descendant of its rightful owner. Baron von Wurzenberger, on behalf of the American people, I apologize for... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mag schnell mit the art things, huh? <laughs> I must get back to Dan Centrum in Stuttgart in time to see Kraftwerk. <laughs> hey, Undumkov, watch out for the CD changer in my trunk, huh? Idiot. <laughs> I guess he deserves it more than I do. <laughs> well... At least I got to show you I wasn't always a pathetic old kook. You never were, Grandpa. Oh, I'd hug you, but I know you'd just get embarrassed. I won't get embarrassed. I don't care who knows I love my Grandpa. Hey, fun boys, get the room. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, so uh, the art goes back to its deserving owner. Yes. uh, I mean... The, the hellfish did steal it. They're thieves. True, true. Like, but thieves of yeah, Nazis. Yeah, I like the realness. So... Yeah, I like the realness of that. Like, no, you don't. You have a weird adventure, but now this technically belongs to some German family. <laughs> I like the uh, the really observational little touches, like the CD changer in the trunk. That was a sign no. of like luxury and decadence in the '90s. Like, <laughs> I can put multiple CDs in my trunk. I don't have to be some loser it, switching out CDs. I if I want to have a a random mix from five CDs at once, ooh. I can do it. I'm that fancy. <laughs> Did any of y'all ever have a car or have access to like a family's car that had one of those? No, I had a friend, I, but I didn't really understand it. My my I remember my one of my sister's first car was a VW, one of the new Beatles, mm. and it had uh, like a six CD changer in the car. And you just put your favorite six CDs in there, and you don't have to change it all the time. <laughs> But when you do, you have, to, the ass. you have to go in the trunk and like go under your spare tire or something. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was a real pain in the ass. But it's like you just have to preload the ones that you know you're going to listen to on a long trip. 
And uh, that this character, the Baron, has been has been defaming Germans for like twenty <laughs> years. Like he's just such like a they call him pig nosed on the commentary, and he really is. He's like Euro trash, right? Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He's like, and and this song is a real song, folks. I was I, wondering. I, I looked it up. This is DJ Kaoki. Here you can hear the original. <laughs> <laughs> wow i feel like i'm playing wipeout or something <laughs> that's uh that is called caterpillar rabbit in the hole Max. of course it is <laughs> it's, uh, sure though dj kaoki or kiyoki uh, he is not german he is a uh, salvadorian american so yeah not it it, well, it is what would be playing in a euro trash place for sure it's the perfect song and i wonder if they had to pay uh some or a lot of money for it because this episode the credits inexplicably uh the the dragnet remix of the theme is playing over the credits yeah. from marge on the lamb I noticed that this time for the first time, like, oh, they've used that before. It's, I mean, I guess because the law just showed up, it's kind of appropriate. Maybe they wanted a more war-like kind of uh, like arrangement, but they could they couldn't afford to have even more music in the show or like another arrangement. Or maybe they were considering playing this music over the credits. The mm, DJ Kiyoki. Maybe that's like, oh, it's too much. Yeah, this is too much. Yeah, or yeah, perhaps uh, perhaps Alf Clausen ran out of time. He's like, like I can't write a new ending for this too. I would have liked this like a stirring a health fish war anthem mm. at the end like like, like all of those uh, old marvel records had anthems for all the characters that were very like warlike oh yeah from, from that era <laughs> well they all had survived the war so that uh, you know actually i meant to say it the guys backing up the uh the platoon in the platoon for sergeant's Simpson as well. They kind of more remind me of the Howland Commandos of Sar- mm. of Sergeant Fury's Howland okay. Commandos, which that was just Jack Kirby's answer to Joe Kubert's. It's weird. Uh, rock. I've read none of them, but I'm more I'm more familiar with Sergeant Fury, maybe because of Sergeant Hatred from Venture Brothers. <laughs> <laughs> Basically the same guy. You know, this is the first time that clicked for me. I did not Hatred and Fury. It yeah, all. Yeah. Oh my god! I can't believe I was the one to get that, Henry. Come on, wow. retire. I, well, he's not drawn to look like. Uh, Nick Fury. Nick Fury types have eye patches. That's true. So, That's though true. in World War II, he did not lose an eye. Yeah. <laughs> Although I should say, uh, Casey is on a very um, uh, a very good episode of our show. This is our 150th episode because it's the 150th oh. episode of The Simpsons uh, to date uh, in this timeline, in our current timeline. So we've done 150 of these. Man. Happy birthday. <laughs> Thanks. Yeah, this is, I mean, this is quite an episode to do 150 on just to look this great. Uh, this one, I think on one commentary, uh, the one for Homer Palooza, Oakley and Weinstein talk about how they they run out of steam near the end of the season usually, but this is near the end of the season, and this does not feel running out of steam at all. I think it's light on jokes, so maybe yeah. that's what he's talking about. But the art really like makes you forget that there's not a lot of amazing jokes mm-hmm. in this one, and that Homer is not even in it at all. Really, <laughs> he's there to complain about old people and to uh, turn down the adventure. <laughs> yeah, I'm glad they gave the animators room. Like, if I feel like another episode, they might have been more worried of ooh, they, we haven't at a laugh line in about 20 seconds let's cut this scene a little shorter and we'll have somebody say something funny i mean i can guarantee you this was an awful table read i bet nobody liked the table read it's like and then and then burns does this and then abe does this and then they fight and then this had like there's not a lot of dialogue in this third act yeah it's true it all mixes together though so well Mm -hmm. and it's just like yeah it's not very memorable with all, all the lines but it's just it's 
a pleasure to watch all the time. <laughs> it really is, yeah. And they, and uh, in their seasons, they were trying to do uh, new things. And I feel like this, like high, this high adventure sort of caper. Uh, that was light on jokes, but more about the action and the animation. I feel like that's a it's a sort of a new thing for the show at this point. Yeah, and I think really committing to a story like this that's actiony, I think is is different for them too. This is kind of conceptual thing they wouldn't have tried in other seasons. I really like that. Like I can't think of another episode of the show that is like a full on action adventure like this. They'd even have like some Homer fighting Bart's new big brother throughout town like that is a big they live style action set piece but it's more just about how much time they're wasting and it's about <laughs> gags just yeah. like all gags that's true i also do love the hey fun boys is uh, one hey, of my favorite boys. parting lines yeah. hey, fun boys <laughs> i mean it's homophobic but i, I was a gay man i laugh at the, that. the joke I, is on the shitty character yes, who's yeah. making fun of a grandpa and his grandson embracing yeah, yeah. And, I, and it just it takes away any kind of like sincerity that it tried to have with yeah. like Bart going, I never thought you were. And it's like, yes, you did, man. <laughs> yeah. I. It is. In another sitcom, they would have just ended with like, I don't care who knows I love my grandpa. Aww. Like, that's just sweet. And so then we get a uh, trademark treacle cutter of The Simpsons <laughs> of, hey, fun boys. And I like to, it makes it even better that Bart's the only one f- who is burned by it. Like Abe doesn't react to it. Bart's the only one like, <laughs> yeah. what? Oh. I'm sure he doesn't know what it means or what the yeah, guy even sure. said. He's like, I do have fun and I am a boy. That's right. <laughs> uh, so Casey, thank you so much for joining us on uh, Talking Simpsons. You have a lot going on. You do a lot of great stuff online. Can you tell us where we can find like your work and where you can find your comics and everything? Well, you can like I have a main site, uh, caseygreen.com.com, dot com spelled out, and then dot com. <laughs> uh, you could easily Google me and and find and find most of my stuff. Uh, I'm on Twitter, caseygreenn, two ends. But uh, your your listeners might like my other Twitter account, Screenshows, a little more. I just started posting on there uh, more often. That's where I take screenshots of like. A lot of cartoons or sitcoms in a weird, in, in weird poses that I find fascinating and post my <laughs> post a dumb joke along with it. I was a really big fan of when you were watching uh, for some reason the later seasons of Family Matters, the ones oh, that yes. I didn't see. I'm like, what is even happening? Are they they're yeah. pirates now? What's going on? That was just done on on my own account. But, oh, okay, uh, I, I was, was watching screenshots. all of Family Matters, wow. including the last episodes, <laughs> and they were awful. They teleport to France in one episode, I remember. Mm-hmm. Yep. And I wonder what's more unbelievable, that he built a teleporter or that he would actually fall in love with Laura. Oh, yeah. <laughs> or that Laura would fall in That's, love with him. They, yeah. they gave him Laura at the end, yeah. I mean, He I, earned it. He wore her down as he had promised. Let's say... That's his catchphrase. I'm going to wear you down. Teaching uh, young boys in the 90s so many great lessons yeah. television. But yes, uh, we'll do our own plugs off the air with uh, when we're not with you on the air, Casey. But thanks so much for joining us. Uh, thank you both for having me. It's been a pleasure. So thank you for listening, folks. And I'll tell you all about our amazing Patreon that pays the bills and lets us do so much work here at the Talking Simpsons Network. If you go to patreon.com slash Talking Simpsons, check it out. We got so much going on there at many different levels. The $5 level gets you so many bonus podcasts. We do a lot of stuff that's just exclusive to Patreon, including interviews and uh, you know exclusive miniseries so please check that out i would definitely point folks out to listen to our newest interview where we just interviewed mike reese about his new book springfield confidential and his 30 years on the simpsons 
And we also have a special bonus podcast for What a Cartoon About One Piece that goes into the history of the show, why we like it so much, and why you should not be afraid of it. So yes, that's all at patreon.com slash talking simpsons. As for me, I've been your host, Bob Mackey. You can find me on Twitter as Bob Servo. Please say hi to me. And if you uh, if you like my podcast here, check out Retronauts. It's my other podcast. That's a classic gaming podcast every Monday at retronauts.com or look for Retronauts in your podcast machine. We've been going on since 2006. There's so many podcasts you should be listening to right now. So check Check it out. Thank you, Henry. I'm at H-E-N-E-R-E-Y-G on Twitter. You can follow me there for updates on when all these episodes go live and other surprises that come to our Patreon. Check it out there, folks. Thank you so much for listening. We'll see you next week for Much Apu About Nothing. infotainment.